I didn't have this question on the list because I wanted to surprise you with it and I want to lead off with it. Do you remember the first time we met and what happened? I'm still on a bend. That's, that's unfair. It's memorable to me. Question? It's memorable to me. Okay, so, well, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm thinking that it might have been at Oktoberfest? No. It was at a chamber after hours, and I threw a glass of ice on you by accident. Oh, that's nice. Because I talk with my hands. Okay, so do I. And in the process of talking with my hands, I threw a cup of ice on you. Perfect. So I just wanted to bring that up. So okay. That, so that was. That must have been a thousand years ago. It, but it, you weren't I, even present yet. Okay. So. You were, I think I was new to the chamber. I think, I don't know if you were even on the board or what, so. Well, that, I, it's okay. I've forgiven you. All right, I'm, I'm glad you did. I just wanted to get that out of the way first. So, first off, who is Laura Eden Penny? Oh, gosh, the existential question here. Um, so You're Marshfield born and bred. Well, I'm, I'm Marshfield bred. Believe it or not, not many people know this, but I was born in Quincy, and I lived there till I was 11 years old. And I moved here, much to my chagrin, and I really wanted to... It's not a nice thing for me to say. I, I was angry at my parents, let's put it that way, for moving down here from the city where we had my brothers and sis, brother and sister mm-hmm. and I had literally um, a reign of, 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 of the city. Um, we bicycled. We had a charge account at the little store down the street. We used to climb um, granite animals in our neighborhood. We went to um, – we played tennis. We played – we had a swimming pool down at the school. Um, we, we literally did anything we wanted. It literally was the come back when the lights turn on yeah. kind of a scenario. Totally. And when we moved to Marshfield, there were no lights. No. <laughs> and there were no sidewalks. And there was really nothing to be had here. So um, <laughs> at least from our experience and relatively speaking. So it was, it was a really tough adjustment. Mm-hmm. But I've been here since 1983 with a few stints. Yeah. Um, in, of college, college obviously, of and obvi- and my husband and I, um, actually, before we were married, we bought a house in West Roxbury in Boston, so for a total of about 10 years, I didn't live here, but the rest of the I didn't know here. that. I didn't know you and were most not, not Marshfield-born, That's right. not well, fully. Well, there so you go. So, another thing that, because I always look at people's LinkedIn pages for you, sure. just in case, one thing you and I have in common, yes. besides a lot, you know, is that we both lot. we both did college internships at Boston as TV station assignment desks. Right. I did not know that about you. Oh. Talk about that. So it's, that's such an interesting experience. Oh, it was life changing, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Um, well, first of all, I left Marshfield High School with a profound love of telecommunications, mm-hmm. and I was in Buddy Stewart's class. Yep. Um, Stu's crew. Uh, we were we were some of the original. Uh, I'm going to say, well, innovators, okay? Mm-hmm. We, I was the first one to put together a video yearbook. I was wow. the first one to put together between, at that point it was between bells, I believe. Now it's now before, it's the, before bell. the bells. Um, I tell my kids this, and I'm like, guys, are, is anyone interested? I started this show, and they're like, yeah, we're not this. So no one cares. But I did. We used to leave school and go and film our classmates yeah. uh, down at the beach. Things were a lot different back then. Mm-hmm. So I had a profound love of TV and production. So going in my for internship, I was a communications and English major at Simmons College. So obviously, naturally, I wanted to be at um, in, in TV. I thought I wanted to be 
I thought I wanted to be a, uh, be a news anchor. Person, yeah. Yes, right, like everyone else. Yeah, we all do. So uh, my cousin, who was um, in, an executive in news at the time, got me. She was at WCVB TV. Mm -hmm. She got me an internship at WHD TV, Channel Seven back mm -hmm. in the day, and I was I, w I had the most amazing experience as an anchor desk person intern yeah. throughout the summer. Yeah. I actually was the person who ran tape back and forth for the um, the old, uh, oh the my old gosh. Yeah, the old data decks. Yeah, the data decks. But they were videoing down at the Esplanade mm -hmm. for the 4th of July. And so I was the person, because the streets were obviously yeah. blocked with every people and everything else. So I was that was one of my jobs. But I, I would go out with reporters. <laughs> I would come up with assignments and all mm -hmm. kinds of things, but it wasn't for Call me. all those places. Yes. Oh, call all the places, right. You'd hear things on the news. Uh, yeah, the scanner. Uh, right, the scanners, and you would call, and yeah, uh, yeah it wasn't for me. <laughs> all said and done. Yeah. I loved it. it. I, 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 I did that. I had I did the same experience yes. for a different station between my sophomore and junior year. Okay. Similar. It was just, I loved it. Yes. Same thing service. All right, I'm not going to put on the camera, but I'd seen stuff I loved. So. See, I I disagree with you, but okay, there you go. So, as you find, as you'll find out. So, you're a fellow English communications major. I am. Um, it's funny with that degree. There's so many different things you can do. Like I look Correct. at my friends from college, and yes. you know, one's in PR. Then there's yes. me in TV. There's one who's a news producer down in Providence. What was the original kind of thought to a career path with <laughs> that degree? Well, again, outside of being an anchor. Uh, mm -hmm. which was quickly shut down by my own experience. Mm -hmm. I, you know, gosh, I, I don't know how I ended up. <laughs> Nobody ever ends up in financial services. Right. And especially in the but, line. But like, what was, work. like, the original, like, when you were graduating, you know, col graduating college, what was, like, the, the, thought pro the thought of, like, okay, I think this is the career I'd like to choose? I guess marketing, okay. you know, whatever marketing meant at that point. It's like that marketing PR. Yes, yes. Um, and I think advertising was, was kind of the hot term yeah. at that point. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what I thought I was going to do. Right. So how did you get into combining communications and finance? Because that's what you do now. Yes. So how did that, how did that happen? How did you, you get into the financial realm of things? So, again, sort of a, a, a strange uh windy road. No one ever takes a, a direct road here. Mm -hmm. But I was out of college. Um, I decided to, well, first of all, another, another little known fact, my first job out of college was at the Ventress Memorial Library. I was a children's librarian <laughs> turned reference librarian, obviously junior, because I didn't have my master's degree. Wow. Um, I loved it, because I loved working with children, and I loved information and being able yeah. to so it was fabulous. But I only lasted about a year when I got really antsy and really wanted to get out into the real world, as it were. So I took an internship at back at Simmons College, where I had just graduated, yeah. because I knew I wanted to go back to graduate school mm -hmm. almost right away. And they had a Master of Communications Management really? program right there, down the hall from where I was. And I just I knew that would be a great place for me. So I said, well, they'll, get, they'll do it for me for basically free if yeah. I work there. So that was my plan. Then I found out that the job I had taken was only a nine-month position, and it was a very low salary. So 
Like most communications positions, <laughs> exactly. especially especially when you get out of school. Especially freshly out of school at 21 or 22 years mm-hmm. old. So I was like, well, what am I going to do for the summer? So I, uh, I took an internship at State Street Corporation, and the rest was history. I loved that position. I was on the averse, quite averse to what most people start out at State Street doing. I was on the employee communication side, so I got to see the entire corporation from tops down. Mm-hmm. And so we were part of HR, actually. So we wrote newsletters and publications for all 20,000 employees all around the world. And I was responsible for a Eastern Massachusetts newsletter myself. Yeah. And, you know, the whole clip art thing. And <laughs> it was just amazing. And I got to meet the most amazing people. And from there, someone had left their position. They asked me to fill mm-hmm. that position. And from then on, I was soaring into marketing at, within financial services. What was it about finance? Was it, was it some about financial services that got you interested, or was it? I loved State Street. Okay. I loved the people. I loved the environment. Hmm. The culture was one of incredible integrity, incredible intelligence. And as it turned out, they they paid for two, not one, but two master's wow. degrees for me um, between 1996 and 1998, and then 1999 to 2002. I had two master's degrees that I owe to State Street Corporation, so thank you. Thanks, guys. Um, That was incredible. And I got to work, you know, I got to, it was a nighttime that I would go to school, Mm -hmm. so I would go to work all day and then go to school at night, so I was literally living my dream day by day and going off to school at night. It was just, it was awesome. So I never turned back. And oh, my second master's was an MBA because I, I did feel somewhat inadequate in the oh. business side and financial services side. So I decided that I needed that type of education. So what made you decide to start your own business? So after, so I was, I worked at State Street for nine years mm-hmm. and in, in five different positions, would you believe? I worked my way up into this exciting I was in employee communications. I moved over to the marketing side of the house, so from communications to marketing, Mm -hmm. over in a business line called treasury management or cash management at the time. Okay. And I headed up, I started, I founded a marketing um, discipline within that Mm -hmm. business line. And then I moved on to work on the trading floor, which is like in any financial services if you ever make it to the trading floor, that is like where all the cool things happen. You've or at least it. you think so. Yeah. <laughs> at least that's what the rumors are. And so that's where I was. I worked my way into global trade and, hmm. fin- and foreign exchange. And again, on the marketing yeah. side, I was the one marketing person who worked directly for the senior executive. Wow. Uh, and again, he was one of those people that I just, I would follow anywhere. He was incredibly smart, incredibly dynamic, and he just, it, it just, I just can, was able to thrive mm-hmm. in that position, and again, it was just, for me, it was more the experience yeah. or the, and the feeling that I had than, than the actual role, mm-hmm. so, and then, have you ever been a, on a, working in a trading desk? No. I mean, it's just, and foreign exchange, and there's currency flying around, m- hundreds of millions of dollars, yeah. trillions of dollars, passing through those systems every day was 
just an amazing experience. I, I had a friend that worked in foreign currency for State Street okay. for a while. So there you go. It's it's something that you'll never. I I, I was fortunate enough to do it for a couple of years, and you, I I wasn't the typical. Um, you weren't a finance manager personality like a, like a, for yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, I would come in at quarter of eight, everyone else had been there since yeah, 6 a.m. They'd be like, good afternoon, Laurel. Yeah. <laughs> and then, oh, leaving early, and it would be 5.30 at night. And, you know, I, it was, you know, I always came in, smile on my face, and had always enjoyed what I was doing, and I and loved the people more than you could ever know. And I, I just found it, it was just, it wasn't quite the right fit. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up Someone um, who had headed up the division with me at in cash management asked me if she was coming. That she was going to start. She found was asked to found mm-hmm. a new startup, almost like a corporate entrepreneurial venture at Ooh. State Street in wealth management. Okay. So I was the fifth person hired into a division that grew. That was like we went from wow. zero to something like 150 billion dollars of assets under servicing within a year and a half wow. time frame and from zero to 600 employees in two years it was again i was going to school at night at simmons w- living this incredible dream of literally founding a business yeah. at state street within the walls of yeah. state street and the reputation of state street corporation and learning about Again, I, I literally would pinch myself every day. It was the epitome of super exciting. It was so exciting, but I, li- I every day I would say, "You realize this is too good to be true." To everyone that yeah. listened, I, I just said, "This can't." Particularly, we yeah. were traveling all over the world and incredible wealth, and being asked by the most, the largest corporations, financial services corporations that you could imagine, to help them yeah. service their wealth management assets and build up building out. So, another incredible circumstance that I just fell into. All right. <laughs> so, I'm very lucky. Yeah. I'm very lucky. So, what made you go into business for yourself? So, right, that was the original question. Sorry about that. No, so that lays the groundwork, it sounds it it does, like. It does. After five years yeah. of pinching myself every day mm-hmm. and moving into State Street's new incredible building right on the waterfront um, and looking over the, the harbor every day, mm-hmm. um, we were asked to shut down um, sales and operations because sales and marketing because we had sold out. We had so many, again, when I tell you marquee customers, yeah. I can't name them still to this day, at begging us to, do, to service their assets mm-hmm. that we had sold out by about six years from the time that I was, oh at, you know, we were all asked to leave um, because we had to stop marketing, stop sales because so many orders to fulfill, yeah. orders, projects yeah. to fulfill. So, and we were being watched, scrutinized by the street because we were this hot entity that yeah. everybody wanted to be a part of. And, you know, expectations were somewhat above what we could handle. Yeah, true. Um, so it just, again, it just was this reign of amazing mm-hmm. whatever. And so I ended up over at Sovereign Bank yeah. Corp, which is now Santander. Yeah. And the fit wasn't quite right. Yeah. I was there for about two years. I was in a management position. I ended up, I was being hired to, 
to head up marketing for the Treasury mm -hmm. Division, which also included global trade and some other large um, divisions. But what ended up, uh, ended up happening was that I ended up having to build out a marketing uh, discipline for the entire commercial side of the bank. So it was, it was a very big job. Yeah. We had a small team, small but mighty team. Mm -hmm. We did it. Um, the culture, as I mentioned earlier, yeah. wasn't the right, it wasn't the right fit for mm -hmm. me. And it was time of, the, it was 2007. Yeah. You know, what you know what's starting you know what's to happening happen. Right around that. And the writing was on the wall a little bit. And yeah. I was asked to cut, I think it was 10 to 20%. Yeah. And I just said, how about you cut me? And it was a good time. I was having my third child, um, two of which were quite in a row, as you know, yeah. Lizzie and Jeff. And I, I said, cut me. It was time. And I was really? like, I, I, it's time for me to go out on my own. And I had wow. some ready-made customers who had okay. been asking me to kind of, hey, Laurel, you know, if you ever think so about it. So this was kind of like brewing a little was, bit. It was. In my head and in some others. And you already people. had, like, people you know you yes. could. People from State Street, people from Santander, uh -huh. people from all over the place. Oh, and by the way, Sovereign, too, was undergoing their whole change into Santander yeah. at that time. So right. there was a lot of transition. And there was the huge financial yeah. downturn. Right. Um, yes. Ended yeah. up being even larger than most people could ever imagine. So, so before I ask this question, I was going to ask you, what is Turning Point Communications? This is something I've been trying to figure out for years, as long as I've known <laughs> I know. you. Um, and the, I've been thinking about it, and the way I, and the way I summarized it was, and you can say I'm completely wrong, or whatever, is you're basically teaching, you're trying to give people who are really good financial people marketing and communication skills so they can kind of promote what they do, grow their business. You yes. Know, you're taking bean count. You're basically taking bean counters, maybe with not much personal marketing skills, and giving them those skills. So that is correct me. So correct what me. I do. So so what is it? So you are not alone. My own husband has no idea what I do. So it's okay. <laughs> Probably neither do my children or, or the rest of my family. Um, I so the marketing communication side, believe it or not, has somewhat fallen by the wayside a little bit when really? it comes to Turning Point. The original founding of Turning Point was based on exactly what you're talking about. I I almost call it thought leadership promotion company. Okay. So basically, I go in and I, with financial executives mm -hmm. and people in those positions of power, will draw out expertise that they have mm -hmm. and bring that to the forefront in, in almost a promotional way for the okay. company. So there's always something that they've done or thought or that that is important for some constituent to hear or learn about. So I, I'm able to sort of draw that out of people where they don't even know that they have subject matter expertise sometimes or that they have anything interesting to say. They always do, of course. Yeah. They wouldn't have a company. They wouldn't have a presence. They wouldn't be successful without. And everyone has some very particular yeah. um, subject matter level expertise. So. Um, so that's what I started out doing mm -hmm. on the executive side within financial services leadership. And then what ended up being was that I came back to my treasury management or cash management roots okay. with some of these people. Mm -hmm. And I ended up, I was, I was actually asked specifically by one 
very large, probably one of the largest fintechs, we call them, financial technology companies okay. in the world to develop a curriculum for their, so this is going to be very um, hard to define, but basically right. a, so the financial services company that I work with, their company, mm -hmm. their, excuse me, their clients yeah. are the banks. Okay. So they sell their financial technology to the banks okay. who then resell them to the end customer. Okay. That makes sense, Yeah, right? that makes sense. So their end client are the bank, well, not their, not their end client, their, their clients, the banks, have salespeople who need to sell that type of technology to the banks yeah. in order, excuse me, to those end customers in mm -hmm. order for them to make sales. Okay. So I was asked to come in and develop a curriculum to get those salespeople a little bit more confident and okay. uh, a little bit more in line with relationship types of sales that need to take place. Hmm. So I would, in the aggregate, train thousands, okay. and, and at this point in time, it's been 10 years in, mm -hmm. thousands of these bankers mm -hmm. who are associated with these financial technology companies yeah. through their bank, okay. or I've also worked within banks. They just call me in and, and bring me in and train their, their employees as well. But that's what I do. I basically okay. train these bankers how to better sell treasury management in a relationship type of environment. Okay, that makes sense now. That makes that makes. And, um, and of course, along the way, I teach them marketing and I teach them yeah. communications and how all of those and thought leadership promotion and all of those things because I just can't is help it. it. Is, it an is, is that a type of industry where it's like they're ju they're they're just bad at promoting themselves? Because I feel like in my industry community, we're just terrible at promoting ourselves. Is it like that? In yeah, I, I think that, I think that it, it's it's secondary. I don't even think that they think of some that they need to do that. Okay. And and. I come back and say, how else are you going to differentiate yourself? Yeah, what's your Every bank, sorry, offers the same yeah. products. And especially when you hire a large global financial technology company to be your provider, which, by the way, are the best is the best way to go. Okay. Because they have best-in-class services and solutions. Okay. But at the end of the day, you're not going to differentiate with with your um, pricing, right. you're not going to differentiate with the, or you shouldn't, um, you're not going to differentiate with the products because right. they're all the same. Yeah. They're somewhat commoditized. And then, so how do you differentiate? It's you. It's yeah. the person. It's the human. So aspects. that's what I try to bring up. So how'd you come up with the name? <laughs> so I was at a turning point in my life, remember, uh, as I mentioned okay. in 2007. All right. So this was a turning point. All right. Well, I'm some tree. So, you may not be able to answer this, you know, exactly. But who are some of your clients? Who are like, where, what I type of in, in organizations or institutions? So the fintechs of the world, okay. um, FIS mm -hmm. is one of the largest global financial services technology companies that there is, uh, that there are. Uh, COCC, there's a local one okay. in Connecticut. Uh, there are others that I'm looking to work with as well with that same model, whereby mm -hmm. I. And then within the banks, I've been very fortunate to work with, uh, over the last couple of years, my um, Capital One is okay. a huge customer of mine. Cool. Um, yes, very cool. 
<laughs> um, and then there are some community banks right. as well that unfortunately aren't headquartered here, right. but are headquartered around the country and at the various well, I areas. I want to get into that in a second. Yeah. Uh, so how do these places find you? It's like they, you, like, do they put up the bat symbol or something like that? Or <laughs> how does this work? Because, I mean, you go all, 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 all over the place. I do. That is that Is, is where it I just relationships throughout the years? Or like, you know? It is. It's a, first of all, it's a very small world. Treasury uh, management really? in and of itself is a small world really? of, of people who've been in been in the world for a long time, yeah. Okay. Um, wow. I've been, I'm 22 years in mm-hmm. the industry. Uh, I would say I know a lot of people, a lot mm-hmm. of those people through my previous relationships, but also I ensure that I maintain relevancy in mm-hmm. the industry as well because right. I'm not a typical person in the industry. I'm neither a banker nor am I an actual person who is a treasurer. Yeah. Right. within a company. And it doesn't, you don't always have to have that title, by the way. There's always someone doing the financial, bringing in payments, yeah. recording those payments, right. and then making payments out on right. the cost of goods yeah. sold and everything else. Mm-hmm. And then there's all, there always needs to be a way to automate some kind of lending mm-hmm. capabilities. You always need to borrow money at right. some point. Yeah. Or you need to, if you've got extra cash floating around, which is a nice position to be yeah. in, you need to be able to invest it quickly and automated mm-hmm. in an automated fashion. So um, there's always that capability. You have to have that in, a, in any company. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you're collecting money. So given that, I, you know, there's, uh, I, I'm part of boards in other areas of yeah. the company, of the country. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I make sure. And I'm always at industry conferences learning as well as teaching. I'm always presenting as well. It's yeah. super fun. And I'm involved in the national organization. Okay. So I'm just hmm. highly involved. Speaking of other parts of the country, how does a person from Marshall get hooked into the Dallas financial area? <laughs> so I was on the board. you make a lot of trips to Dallas, or you've been really involved in the Dallas area. I do. You know, and that's the funny thing, because people call me out for Dallas, but I'm actually more so in San Antonio these days and, gosh, just about anywhere else, L.A., mm-hmm. uh, New Orleans, southeastern part of the country, the Tampas of the world, other areas of Florida, New York, Richmond, Virginia, etc. I get called out because the Dallas thing, I was actually on a board in Dallas for four years. Mm -hmm. So I was down there monthly in, you know, Mm -hmm. as part of my duties, so to speak. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I could do my work from anywhere. I was the Mm -hmm. social media coordinator for the board. What's something a client should know before working? So say a potential cl- a new client is watching or listening to this. What's something you'd like them to know before you start working with them wow. to make that experience well, even greater than it right, would be? Right. Um, well, I would say there are only, I'm not even going to say a handful, there are only about two banks mm-hmm. here on the South Shore that would probably utilize my services. Okay because of the level of sophistication that Mm -hmm. needs to be there in order to service this type of client. So I would say think that, um, I would say think about bringing in some external Mm -hmm. expertise, someone who has uh, seen best practices, someone who is open to bringing those into your environment. So think outside the box, you know. Yes, yes. 
don't continue to, to do things the same the same way right. because oftentimes I, again, with my ear to the ground, so often in these uh, treasury associations around the country, I am usually the first person to hear that who's doing their jobs well yeah. and who who are not doing their jobs yeah. as well. Is there also like a we've always kind of done it this way mentality? Yes. Yeah. yes. Huh. It's omnipresent. Omnipresent. Yes. So business is all about partners. So who are the best partners for you? Uh, so my partners are people who I bring along with me, along okay. the road with me, depending on what that project looks like. Mm -hmm. I do different types of trainings. Okay. So one of those trainings is a day in the life of a treasurer, for example, so that bankers are really drawn into, a lot of times they understand treasury at a very peripheral level, okay. enough to sell it, right? And they think they're doing a great job selling yeah. based on the knowledge that they have. Okay. Unfortunately, what treasurers do and what people in corporate finance do is so involved mm -hmm. and so incredibly specific and requires such an incredible knowledge of all different kinds of things right. and connecting dots where there may not be any connect natural mm -hmm. connections that uh, I would say that it's it's good to have the ability to be able to bring those bring someone in who you know is able to um, to help out yeah. uh, what I do is bring a tr someone who's been in a treasury role yeah. along with me in that particular assignment mm -hmm. and what better way for bankers to learn than to literally ask the questions of the person who was in that role and be able to understand how much okay. better, or to be able to better themselves yeah. based on that experience, literally asking directly, hey, what do you think about when I come in as a banker and ask you these questions? And, you know, to have that person say, well, I hate when you bring in, <laughs> you know, 18 bankers and it's just me on the other side of the table. And, yeah. you know, that makes me feel Funny. this way. and. Or my actual, you know, um, objectives are this, mm -hmm. and you're you're telling me that your solutions can only do A, B, and C. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't gel for me. So it's a great thing. So it depends. So the partnerships that I bring are people that I bring along the way yeah. as well. So professional organizations you're involved in. What are some of them? So all of the treasury management associations across the country. There okay. are Sixty-seven of them. Really? Ish. Yes. There is a national organization called the AFP, mm -hmm. Association for Financial Professionals, and then there are, I don't know, baby organizations? I don't, they don't belong to the AFP, but they are sister chapters, if you will, Affiliates that are regional. Are, yeah, regional yes. aspects. Yeah. They are regional. So we have one here in New England that covers yeah. all six states, and then there are five in, just to give you some, some frame of reference, there's one for all six states here in the Northeast, and there are five in Texas. So with, with, and I work with all of those. Mm -hmm. So it is funny that there's that level of need. So I got to know you from the Chamber. That's yes, we well, of course it. I'm associated yeah. with the yeah. Chamber and of Commerce. So yes. you were, you, you've been super involved with Marshfield and South Shore. Just talk yes. about that, you know, your involvement with those two organizations. So when I, the minute, I think it was the minute or perhaps even before I decided to go out on my own, yeah. per your question earlier, Jonathan, mm -hmm. I... I am such a people person that I knew that I needed to continue that personal interaction yeah. somehow and being in my kitchen doing this type of work, yeah. well, albeit while I fly to my customers. That's, yeah. I don't because your business isn't 
local. No, it's not like, not you know, because, I mean, you, when you look at a chamber, it's, you know, it's very B2B, whereas you're it not. It is. I, well, I am B2B, but I'm but like B2B in the sense of, like, of everywhere. You're not going to meet a potential, the chance yeah. of you meeting a potential client at, like, a, a chamber networking event or after hours is. Is actually zero. Slim and none. Actually zero. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's right. And as I mentioned earlier, just the level of sophistication that a particular bank needs to have mm-hmm. in order to fulfill that service is, is, is higher than we have here mm-hmm. on the South Shore for the most part. So, it's, um, I believe in community because I live and I raise my children mm-hmm. here. Uh, this is where my family is. Mm-hmm. I love Marshfield in every way, shape, or form, despite my initial <laughs> reaction to having to move here. Um, it's... It, it keeps it keeps me with the people that I know and and love all of you, Jonathan, and I get to do some stuff yeah. along the way that might be helpful. Yeah. And you were president of the Cham- Marshfield Chamber. Yes. You were CEO of South Shore Chamber. So yes. You've, you've done quite a bit. Um, also, you've done a lot of community involvement. I do. You're pretty involved with a lot of things. Talk about some of the stuff you've done. So, gosh, well, first of all, again, I have three children yeah. at various ages. They're all in the Marshfield Public mm-hmm. Schools right here. So that has become my new focus of late. Uh, again, you have to sort of shift things as you move through life, I guess. Yeah. And I'm old enough to know that no. now. So my charge of late has been a, a tie to the schools. So yeah. I um, did a, I, I don't know, shall I talk about my, a, a recent... Uh, Go for it. I guess. Uh, we last... August, we were... Uh, this is a cool thing. Talk about it. This is really cool. Yeah, so last August, my daughter had surgery on her knee, so she was somewhat immobile. We, t- we typically do our big, you know, extended family vacation during that week or week's time frame of the last few weeks of the summer in August, and we weren't going to be able to do that last year. So we... By hook or by crook, I don't know how it came about, but maybe one preceded the other, I'm not sure. But we were watching the Today Show. Something came on about the Clear the List initiative, which is we subsequently learned that it's an initiative that across the nation, or maybe Mm -hmm. even beyond, teachers are able to put their needs list, their Mm -hmm. most wanted list for essential classroom supplies online. Mm -hmm. And then there's some benefactor who basically pays for your whatever you're, you need yep. for the rest of the year, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that exists. That is so lovely. Well, my daughter and I were watching, and I said, gosh, I want, we must have that in Marshfield, or there must be some aspect of yeah. that in Marshfield, or wouldn't it be great if there was something in Marshfield? So we found out later that we there isn't anything, mm-hmm. and that is very much a national initiative. Um, so what we looked into was, well, what can we do here in Marshfield that somewhat replicates that, although it might be a little bit, look a little bit different? So we learned from some teachers that we know that teachers often spend up to $3,500 out of their own pocket every year. Yeah. They don't make a lot of money to begin with. That seems awfully unfair given the fact that some of the things that they're looking for are things that it's basically our children, our students, yeah. using tissues. Paper towels. These are not sexy items. Yeah, basic supplies. These are, these are very basic supplies. Um, uh, whiteboard markers, uh, paper, yeah. et, et cetera, things like that. I, these are not 
things that are luxury items. So I said, well, gosh, how much can that cost? You know, so we just started, we said, well, let's set a goal of raising 1500 bucks, and we'll make up a few, why don't we make up some kits and we'll deliver them to some teachers yeah. that will, will to be named later. Yeah. And so I guess that was like a $30 kit, fifty you know, fifty different teachers, something that with that broad math came made sense to us. Well, we decided this fundraising initiative grew. And it grew. And suddenly that fifteen hundred dollars turned into fifty one hundred dollars within days. Three days. And it was only about there were only about at that point thirty donors. I was like, gosh, if we can raise 5100 bucks from 30 people that we know and love, like, for goodness sake, yeah. and by the way, some of these some of these contributions, which killed me, were coming in from Dallas, Virginia, oh. other places where I have friends because of my job, yeah. and because I have friends across the country. Mm -hmm. um, so that was kind of funny. And Georgia, I got a shout out to Bob. Um, anyway, uh, it's it was just hilarious. So anyway, okay. um, we ended up we have a love of shopping. So we went shopping for these classroom supplies based on that $5,100, mm -hmm. and the money kept coming in, kept coming in. And so we just kept buying stuff, and that 80, whatever it ended up being, about $8,400, we, we were able to buy, we figure, with purchasing power and getting free stuff because we had bought so much stuff and couponing and whatever, mm -hmm. about $10,000 worth of supplies. That's awesome. We gave... A $15 worth of tickets to every single Marshfield public school teacher, and they were able to quote unquote shop for the items that they needed most. Oh, that's cool. uh, we assigned point values to each thing based wow. on, we had all kinds of grids. Wow, and things. Really... It was very intricate, of course, because, yeah. you know, this is my background. I do have a financial services background. So wow, we got is. it down to like point values per whatever, one, one paper wow. towel roll, got, we got it down to $1 worth of one ticket. So people got to shop for what they needed. And That's crazy. What we loved was, Jonathan, it, it was $15 at the end of the day that each teacher received, the equivalent of $15. Yeah. And that it was the day before school started, and we mm -hmm. had teachers come up to us and say, you have set the tone for this entire school year. That's awesome. How do you, how do you yeah. compete with that? That yeah. was... And my girls were along the way. My, my son, my son was very helpful with the, kind of to the muscle part yeah. of things, moving stuff around. Well, he would the come girls shopping older with too. me. He would give me some advice on which whiteboard marker colors to, you know. But it was my girls that were yeah. along the, for the ride. Um, even even with Kate and her big bubble cast and all kinds of things for her yeah. knee. But, you know, putting things onto trucks, moving them <laughs> off, setting them up, and it was an incredible experience for my family. We And again, as often, ha as always happens, yeah. we, we get so much more back right. for things that we do than we give out. Another youth-related thing that you did, you started the internship program. That's that's the the chamber internship program, is which has really grown from, yes. that's been going for how many years? Nine now? years. I believe this is our ninth year. Is it? Yes, which is shocking. I have a love of children. I, <laughs> I always have. I, I, <laughs> my children think I'm weird, but I tell them that I'm somewhat of a children whisperer okay. or maybe even a baby whisperer. Mm -hmm. 
I, I sometimes I much prefer the, co- the the presence of children sometimes yeah. to some adults. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Is that okay do. to say? Yeah, that's fine. I I just there's something there. Um, so at when when I was yeah. in my role at the cha- at the Marshfield Chamber, I that was one of the first things initiatives that ca- came out of my mouth. I, there was some uh, full page spread in the Mariner that I did, and that was one of the first initiatives. And luckily, Kate Tracy, who was a school committee yeah. member at the time called me called me right up and yeah. called me on it and said we're hey, doing it that is something that I've always had on my mind and let's get together and the rest is history we started out very small mm-hmm. with 10 people nine people in a in an internship program that has now grown at, at its highest to about 60 kids yeah. students interns to now I think again this year we're at we're right yeah. around the 35 uh, person student internship level. My daughter will be an intern really? this year. Um, we're very proud of this initiative. It it really, I feel so strongly about giving children and students the, the tools, the experience, the skills, the relationships, yeah. the testimonials mm-hmm. that, that they need, the portfolio of work yes. that they yep. need, and then at the end of the year when they're done, this is now a six-week program full-time, 25 hours to 40 hours right. a week for the last six weeks of school now. That's what we're up to. It'll be it'll run this year from April uh, 6th till whatever, mid-May. And the experience that those kids get by truly working in mm-hmm. the environment, it's not just, oh, I'm going to come in for three hours a day no, after school. you're involved. You're living in that environment working in that environment and you are part of the yeah. system now that that experience is invaluable right. and so then what I ask them to do at the end because I I've been fortunate I continue to speak at that final ceremony yeah. mm-hmm. that we have I just remind them I say you take nothing away from this uh, if you take nothing else away which of course they always do, yeah, they do. make sure you're able to tell the story Connect the dots for a future employer, a future a college uh, interview person, yeah. a, an admission staff, I guess that's what I'm trying mm-hmm. to get to. Te- be able to tell the story of what you did on your own and you were. There's right. always something. If it's one project that they saw through from soup to nuts, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter where we send that student. It just it, There's always something they can take ownership of, and that's what I ask them to do able to tell that story. Yeah, the presentation here is always really interesting because oh. you hear the stories from not only the student but also the business they're working yes, with the and how the mentorship and yes. how this person's going to be working there during the summer or, yes. you know, it's, hey, I want to pursue, now I really want to pursue this and now I have a better direction as to where to go. Or, I, I, you know what, I learned, like I learned on the assignment desk. I don't want to do not something I want to do. Like, you know, my, that was an internship and I guess that was really what this was all founded on. I learned I didn't want to do that. And, I, and looking back, I'm pretty sure there's there's kids who, you oh, know, yes. that, who their their career now is because of that internship. Absolutely. Really Either directly they got a job. Mm-hmm. There are sometimes students, and you don't have to be going on to yeah. higher education, by the way. There yeah. are people who do technical or, or types of skills. Or re- built that relationship. And that they go directly there. Yeah. It's amazing. Or um, after school, you know, they're able to kind of reconnect with those people, get those people to continue to be their mentor mm-hmm. or yeah. write those recommendations. Exactly. I still get those requests, which I love. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's 
honestly, again, I get so excited, as you can see, about that. Mm -hmm. So so what's the best piece of advice you've been given from a business perspective? <laughs> Shifting gears. It's dress the part. And that doesn't, al that doesn't mean just dressing. Mm -hmm. It means always be presentable, mm -hmm. professional, across you know all you know your, whether it's your speech your whatever it is always exceed expectations and delight people people are so whether they admit it or even are cognizant of it your ability to impress people in a way that they may not even recognize that they're being impressed is is something that is I have taken away and I think that that is Jumping back to the, almost like that internship model, so say there's a 18-year-old or a college student that wants to do what you do, what what <laughs> advice would you give them? Oh, you know, they, they see you, they get to know you, they're like, well, how do I get to, you know, do what you do? So I guess it's typically, how do I how do I get my own business, or how do I how do I get to do what I love to yeah. do every single day? Okay. How do you know? because I don't know that anyone would ever want or understand what I do, but oftentimes people think that they want their own business. Mm -hmm. It is tough to have your own business. Um, someone once told me, and maybe this is some advice too, mm -hmm. someone once told me it's the, being an entrepreneur and small business owner mm -hmm. is someone crazy enough to work 80 hours a week so they don't have to work 40. Hmm. So think about that. It's... But doing, but yet on the on the flip side of that, when you do something, when you do work at something you love, you mm -hmm. never work again right. a day in your life. And I, that is where I've gotten to in my life. I, and I also because of the scope of the projects that I work on, I don't have to work the typical. Yeah, I was gonna say there's not typical. There's not a typical work day for you. There is not. There is not. It's probably like massive project chunks, right? It is, especially when I'm training. And I'm able to, you know, because of the scope of the business and because it's a specialized niche, yeah. if you will, and because of the clients that I have, yeah. I'm able to work less technically right. than I would on a 40-hour-a-week job. But when you're working, it's full. Oh, it's very intense. It's is, very intense. Yeah. It's but, it, but that also frees me up to be able to do stuff in right. the community and be with my children and right. – be in Marshfield, be with mm -hmm. my parents and the rest of my family. It's 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 a very rewarding mm -hmm. place to be. Um, is there like certain times of the year you're busier than others? Yes. It, yes, okay. it is incredibly seasonal. Yes, really? that is yes. So right now I'm just about to be on that 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 okay. upswing of April, May, June. It's it's not that un, it's not an atypical seasonal okay. flow. So April, May, June, and then. September, October, November are my busiest months. Is it like end of fiscal year, end of calendar or something like that? Or? It's by the time companies start to recognize our our employees are our biggest okay. asset. Let's get them trained. Um, and then when it comes to the leadership side of things and, and thought leadership side of things, it, it usually coincides with, believe it or not, like beautiful weather, yeah. People start coming out of their <laughs> coming out of the shell, hibernation, and like, yeah. okay, I've got to get my get ahead of the curve, and how do I do that? Mm -hmm. So, if you were able to jump in the time machine to the start of your career, 
what would you tell yourself? Man, it's going to be a wild ride. And okay. trust yourself. Trust yourself because there's no, there's absolutely, and I'm not a linear person by any stretch no. of the imagination, completely dynamic. Trust where the world, or the, this is going to sound kooky, but the, the universe bring, takes you. There were some weird things that happened to me. I, I never thought financial services would yeah. be in my future, and yet it is the backbone of what I do. Right. Um, trust where that journey leads you, and don't try to push too hard against what, what comes. And last but certainly not least, for those that want to find out more about you and Turning Point, where can they go? <laughs> well, if you want to learn more about me, it's probably best to just – Get, get me directly, because who knows what you're going to learn or hear elsewhere. But um, obviously, I've got a website. I am very active on social media. That's probably one of the best things and, okay. uh, that I do. I, when it comes to social media, I'm, it's not that, um, you know, the silversmith has, you know, or no, the, the shoe cobbler yeah, has, the, the, his children the, the, the have shoemakers, their shoes. The shoemakers, the shoemakers have, shoes. have their shoes. I do enjoy social media. Yeah, so you do. If you really want to get a full sense of what I'm up to mm-hmm. and where I've been and where okay. I'm going, go to my LinkedIn page. I've got LinkedIn um, for my company, Turning Point Communications, um, or Facebook. I've got Facebook company pages, etc. And, of course, I've got a website, turningpointcommunications.com. Or just call me. I'm, I'm available. Just find you. <laughs> or see me in the airport. Thank you for doing this, Laura. This is oh fantastic. This was oh my gosh, I was super so psyched, psyched about doing this one. It's everything I thought it would be. Jonathan, we love it. Thank right. you. Great. Thanks for having me. You betcha. Mm-hmm.